Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know we sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support our show. I am so glad that I found Buzzsprout and was lucky enough to start with them. They've been so instrumental in helping me grow That Girl the Podcast. I love that I can look at my stats anytime, anywhere, and know exactly how I'm doing. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. And the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Chapter 18. You Don't Own Me. I swing open the door of my house and run to my computer to queue up the session in Pro Tools that I recorded everything on with Ezra. Lo and behold, I find the session and it begins to load each track. Guitar, vocal, shaker, drum beat, click. My heartbeat starts to slow and a sense of relief starts to take over. All of them begin to show up on the screen, but to my horror, all of them are completely empty. Each track has nothing recorded on it. I hit the spacebar just to make sure. The time bar slides across the tracks, but there's nothing but silence. My heart sinks, and I start to feel panicky. I open a few other sessions, and all of the instrumental and vocal tracks are there. Nothing's missing. I'm really starting to panic now, so I retrace my steps. I compress the session after I finish the demo. Check. I saved it, of course. Check. Then I sent an MB3 to Ezra. I open up iTunes to find the song. I search under every name possible, under demo, under Ezra and me demo, under country song demo. Absolutely nothing comes up. I can't believe what I'm not seeing, much less what I'm not hearing. I check my trash on my computer. Nothing. I have a moment of hope and look through my email, hoping that it's there. There it is, the email, but no song attached to it. It doesn't even make sense. Why would he do this? He's the writer. Why would he need me? I think back at how lucky I felt when he had shown some interest in me. That he even wanted to take time out of his busy schedule to write. And how we had the most beautiful afternoon writing the most beautiful song. A song that changed me. Changed my life. Or so I thought. Now I look like a fraud. Now he has our song on Shayla's record and I have no way to prove it. I'm beside myself. How am I supposed to fix this? How am I supposed to prove that it's my song when I'm a nobody and he's Shayla's favorite guitarist? She won't believe me, and her people certainly won't either. I want Ryan to fix this. I want him to come in and rescue me. I feel weak and helpless and truly taken advantage of. But I know this isn't Ryan's to fix. It's mine. And while I may not have had much clout when we first met, I'm starting to now, and that's what makes it worse. Because no matter how low I was, and how much I didn't believe in myself before all of this, I always knew I was a good songwriter. It doesn't matter if you make it or not. That's circumstance. But when you know you're actually good at something, you know you are. Because it's part of you. You can't fake it. It comes easily. And now he's taken something that's a part of me 
and made it his. I lay down on my couch and stare at the trees outside where there are chirping birds all busy hopping around with each other. I think about how simple their lives are. I watch two birds fighting over a branch, the bigger bird pushing the smaller bird away until he gives up and flies off. I guess they're not that different than us. We're all just trying to survive. I go to work the next day, depressed and empty. Anxiety has taken over. I'm too afraid to tell anyone my news. And Ryan won't stop trying to call me to see if I found the files. I hold my coffee, as it's still early in the morning, and watch all of our happy talent prance around the makeup room to their own special theme song that seems to be playing nonstop in their heads. They're all so content. They've made it, while I'm still trying to claw my way up. Danny is getting her hair done by Lexi, and I think about going over to say hi, but Danny's attitude makes me hesitate. I decide to stay in one spot, my makeup station, where if anyone wants to talk to me, they can. Lorena is next to me in her station, looking happy as ever, blasting her favorite mariachi music and seeming overly zealous today. Is everyone always this happy every day here, or am I just incredibly low? I don't really care, but it irks me just the same. My phone buzzes, and I see yet another text from Ryan. I'm starting to really worry now. Are you alive at least? I sigh as I have to write him back. Yes, I'm alive. I'll call you soon. He sends back an emoji heart. I send nothing. I really hate it here. I feel like nothing has changed. Like the last few months have all been a blur. As if I was in an incredible dream, and then I woke up to a nightmare. Only the nightmare was having to go back to my pathetic life that I hate. I realize not all is lost yet, but I feel vulnerable and helpless. I'm overtaken by fear when I think about texting Ezra to ask him why he's erased everything. I feel like that would be giving away all of my cards, even though there's nothing else more I'd love to do than to call him on it. A gigantic, I gotcha. But even though I'm not sure what to do, I know somehow I can't do that. I'm even afraid to tell Jennifer. More because I know I'll get an I told you so from her too. I know I'm not an idiot. That shit happens sometimes. But the last thing I need is for someone to tell me something I already know now that it's over. Our main patriarch heads over, barely addressing me, and asks for his chest and back to be painted. I get up and start blending together the body makeup colors to match his skin tone. As I spread it over his large, muscly, old guy chest, which feels like an oxymoron. I don't think I've ever felt more humiliated than I do right now. This is sheer torture. He critiques me, telling me to make sure to enhance his pecs with bronzer so he'll look even more cut than he already is, and to do some extra shading on his abs, as they are a little weaker than the rest of his muscles. I don't want to tell him that they may stay that way forever, no matter what supplements he's taking. He can't be 25 again. Every brushstroke and every swipe of paint pains me. I take a surgical towel to buff him down so paint doesn't get on his clothes or the bedsheets he'll more likely be sprawled out in. He looks in the mirror to make sure I've done everything correctly, even though I've done him for upwards of a hundred times. It doesn't matter. He doesn't trust me. And frankly, maybe he shouldn't. Because today of all days, I don't know if I can trust myself. Anger starts to rise in me. I can feel my heartbeat quicken and a sense of rage coming over me. I don't think I can take this. I need to get out of here. He looks at me through the mirror. He can't even be bothered to look me in the eyes. 
He then asks if I can stay until he's done shooting for the day to help him take his makeup off. I look at the rundown and see he's literally in the last scene of the day, and our day is packed with huge group scenes that'll go well into the night to shoot. I clutch the rundown even closer, digging my nails into it as the rage in me boils up until I just can't take it anymore. No, I say. He looks at me shocked, but I don't care. I feel out of my body. I'm so angry. He begins to speak. No? What do you... I cut him off. Are you fucking kidding me? You want me to stay here until somewhere around 11 p.m. to give you a bath at the end of the day? Do I look like my life is about following you around so I can make sure your abs look chiseled when they're not and help scrape off dead skin cells from your spray tan every week? Do you think I give a shit? He looks at me shocked and starts to laugh it off, trying to diffuse the tension in the room. Everyone is staring, but he simply smiles and shrugs his shoulders. Oh, do you think this is funny? That I'm funny? The little body makeup artist is mad. Wah, wah. I say mock wiping tears like a mime. Then I glare at him until he stops laughing and stares right back at me. I squint at him, and in a very controlled, growly voice that I've never heard, I ask the question I've always wanted to ask. Do you even know my name? He steps back, stunned that I could even ask him that. But I stand there silently, waiting for him to answer. The room has gone silent now. Even Lorena has turned down her music and is watching me. He huffs and puffs a little, trying to play off that he does know my name, but won't say it. I wait for him watching him squirm like the little rodent that he is. Underneath the exterior, he's nothing but a pathetic actor, someone who could care less about the other people working around him. But today, one of those people piped up. Finally, he says, No, I don't know your name. I can feel the tension break for me. I've won. Whether he knows my name or not, he'll never forget who I am now. I feel powerful and radiant and full of energy, It breaks my fever of rage. He walks away, and everyone in the room begins to pick up what they were doing. I smile to myself and exhale a deep breath of relief, only to feel a cold finger tap my shoulder. I turn around, and it's Lorena. I can't usually tell what she's feeling or what she's about to say, but this time it's different. I see a look of shock and confusion, mixed with a tad of jealousy and an overwhelming sense of power. She starts to open her mouth to say something and stumbles on her words until she stops and bluntly says, Please pack up your things. We won't be needing you today or any other day. I look at her shocked. My stomach falls, but my strength grabs it before it can hit the ground. I meant those things, I said. It may have come out of nowhere to everyone else there. It may have come from everything going on in my life. But mainly, it came from a place of standing up for myself. I've allowed myself to continue down a dark, sad road doing something I hated as a safety net instead of what I really wanted to do for years. I've been putting myself last for far too long and taking on responsibilities that were never mine to begin with, literally and physically lowering myself for people that I never should have even considered being around. This job, this career, was the ultimate slap in my face from me to me. 
Every year that I did it, it only confirmed to myself that I wasn't good enough because I couldn't trust myself enough to be who I really am. I don't care what you do or who you are or how successful you are at it. If it's not authentic to you, it's not really yours. I've always felt like a fraud doing makeup, like I was getting by by the seat of my pants. And in some ways, I was. I look at Lorena, no doubt waiting to hear me beg for my job back, and that I'm so sorry, and I didn't mean it, and I'll take his makeup off if you'll just let me stay, please. She waits, just as I waited for him, until I finally know what to say. I stand up straight, take a deep breath in, and pull out my hand to shake hers. She takes my hand confused. Thank you for letting me be a part of your team for these four years. I will always value what they meant to me. Her mouth opens ever so slightly, but nothing comes out. I smile confidently at her and turn to pack up the few things I have at my station. I sling my purse on my shoulder with my brushes and turn around. I see Lexi, teary-eyed, looking at me from the hair room, and Danny, leaning against a wall, slightly impressed. I nod my head at Danny, and she nods back. Then I walk over to Lexi, the one and probably only person who will miss me. She hugs me hard. I can't believe you're going without me. I hug her harder. You can leave whenever you want to. She lets go and looks at me, wiping a tear away. It's not that easy. But it is. I say peacefully knowing I've made the right decision. She laughs at me. (laughs) I don't know who you are right now, but I love this girl. I laugh with her. Don't lose touch, okay? She nods. I hug her again and begin to walk down the hallway and out of the toxic building that I've come to every day for four years. This is the last time I'll be walking down these halls because I don't work here anymore. I decide to get drunk. I drive over to the village idiot, which I think is only appropriate given the nature of today. It has a rustic feel to it. Very hip, very local hang with a long bar, perfect for picking people up at. I've been coming here for years for its pseudo-English food and amazing IPAs. I walk in and it's just barely opening. People are cleaning the tables and placing the silverware for customers that'll be eating, which I will not be. I go up to the bar and see a very cute girl who's bartending. I've always liked her. She has a sweet Midwesterner feel to her, because I'm sure she's from there, as no one that bartends is from here. She has her hair in two braids that run alongside her face and a plaid shirt on. She smiles at me kindly, not at all judging me for being here so early. What can I get you? Mimosa? She asks with a perky demeanor. I consider perhaps beginning slowly, but then the severity of what's happened starts to settle in. I ask for a Jack and Diet instead. Her eyebrows go up wondering. She hands my drink to me. Rough morning or rough night? I laugh, punch drunk at the hilarity of my life right now. Both? I say, almost asking for the answer. (laughs) I've been there. Well, I'm Katie. Let me know if I can get you anything else, she says as she grabs a damp cloth and trots off. I lean my head into my hand and take a sip of my drink. It's cold and sweet. The Jack Daniels slides down like an old friend, and I suddenly feel at ease. Something about whiskey makes me feel tough, and I certainly need to feel tough right now. Without a job... I wonder if I'll have to get another kind of job in the meantime. It would be a first for me. I always thought being a bartender would be fun. Me behind a bar instead of in front of it. I'm sure I could catch on. But I remember that I need to be focused here. 
I didn't just get fired so I could become a bartender. I hope. I finished my drink quickly, hoping for it to kick in. The rage and anxiety and my overall sense of, oh shit, have boosted my adrenaline as I feel practically nothing. I order a second drink and then a third, sipping them down like lemonade on a hot day until I feel numb. I start chatting up the waiters and practically anyone who walks past me. I don't think I'm obnoxious, just friendly. I think about texting Ezra right now to show him the nuclear bomb he set off in my life, how he led me on and then stole my song, and what an asshole he is for it. Then I think about texting Danny and asking her why she had to be like every other shitty actor out there, which she would probably enjoy reading and like me even more for. I even think about texting Lorena to tell her that actually it wasn't a pleasure working with her and that she made each and every day at work a living hell for me and that I lost years of my life with her creepy insinuating stares and awkward prying into my life. I know what I sound like, but I don't care if I sound like a teenager right now. Maybe I need to be a little rebellious right now. I'm tired of having to play by the rules and conform so that other people can win. I can feel the sadness start coming on now like I do when I drink too much. I slide my head down on my arm and look out at the people around me. It must be around 11am now and people are starting to come in for lunch. Then I see Ryan quickly walk up to me. I think I must be dreaming. How would he know I'm here? He comes up and sits next to me. I slowly reach out my hand to touch him to see if he's real. His face squints up. What are you doing? Slurring, I say. I want to know if you're real. He takes my hand and kisses it. Yes, I'm real, and you're really drunk. He says, his voice going up a little as he surveys the damage. I'm fine, I say, turning my head away from him. Then I quickly turn it around and look at him. Wait, I say, pointing my finger at him. How did you know I was here? You text me. I bolt up, terrified. I did? Yeah, like a half hour ago. I came over because you barely made any sense. I get my phone and look at my messages, terrified that in my jack and diet haze, I may have sent those other text messages as well. Luckily, those texts were just a fantasy, and none of them were sent. Ryan looks at me and then waves over the bartender. Can I get a couple of waters and two cheeseburgers for us? With fries, I add. He smiles. Our food arrives, and once I've eaten enough to make me feel sane again, I tell him everything. Everything down to each little detail. His face ranges from fear to concern to determination. I don't know what he can say at this point. I don't know what I can stand to hear. Well, we just have to find a way to fix this. He obviously does this. Ryan says eating a french fry. Does what? I say blinking, slowly trying to focus steal songs. But why would he have to? I say whining. Because he can. Because it's easy to prey off young writers and steal their songs. I'm sure you're not the first. Ugh, I feel musically raped. I say slumping downward. You said you have an email to him, but the song is missing, right? Yeah, I don't even know how that's possible. Did he ever have access to your computer? I think back to all of our sleepovers before he left for good. Yes, I say embarrassed. Ryan rolls his eyes. Ugh, I get it. Okay, 
It sounds like he just deleted everything and sent himself an email from your account without the song so you wouldn't question it when you would look for it one day. So now what? I ask Midbite. I'm not sure yet. I need to think about this. But I'm not going to lie. It doesn't look good. I nod my head and start to cry a little bit. He waves down the bartender and catches her eye. Can we also get a strawberry milkshake too? I look at him. I'm not a baby. I say, sounding just like one. Oh no, that's for me. He winks. Ryan and I finish up at the Village Idiot, and he walks me to my car. I lean up against it, not wanting to go home, where I'll likely be a prisoner of it until I can work again, and I don't know when that'll be. I lean up against it, not wanting to go home, where I'll likely be a prisoner of it until I can work again, and I don't know when that'll be. Do you want to stay over tonight? Ryan asks me, brushing my hair aside. (laughs) Don't extend it too willingly. If I don't start working, I may have to stay over all the time. I say frustrated. I wouldn't mind that, he says smiling. Really? My tone questioning him. You wouldn't mind my moving in with you because I'm jobless? I snuff and point to myself. Winner! You're not jobless. You're a songwriter. You have a job. And this way you can write more and take more sessions and make that money so I can become a house husband one day. He kids. I roll my eyes as if he'd ever want to do that. He loves his job too much and the thought of him staying home to take care of some kids is almost comical to me. He grabs my waist and holds me close. I know you're independent and I know you don't want to be rescued and I'm not trying to. I'm just saying I wouldn't mind having you around all the time. He smiles lovingly at me, and I can't help but hear the words, he's going to marry me one day, run through my head. For so many years, I was so afraid of being wanted, of being cherished. I would never let love in. But now, with the warmth of his love and the trust I'm trying to build within myself and with others, I can't help but feel like this could be it. That even if I don't move in now, that maybe it's not such a crazy idea one day. I go home and open my door to find my computer still queued up to Ezra in my empty session. I look at it again, dragging the time bar back and forth, up and down, and looking for any traces of a recording. With absolutely nothing in the session, I close it out and open my email. I have a bunch of spam emails from various retailers, and some astrology site that I checked my horoscope on once that I've never been able to unsubscribe from. I look at the email and read my horoscope. Get ready for a romantic revolution. With Uranus on your side, look for love in unexpected places. Take big risks. Experimenting with new collaborations in the workplace with a romantic partner could herald unprecedented success. I roll my eyes at it and the lunacy that reading your horoscope every day can create. I delete it along with other emails and search again for my sent email to Ezra. I find it and it reads, What an amazing day. What an amazing song. What an amazing you. How could I have been so naive? Hey guys, did you know that for $5 a month, you can help support That Girl the Podcast on our new Patreon page? You'll get access to bonus podcast episodes only seen on Patreon, bonus footage on current episodes, Q&As, and everyone's favorite, bloopers, and so much more. Because That Girl doesn't have sponsors, you'd be our sponsor. With $5 a month, you can help me keep making the podcast. To sign up, go to patreon.com forward slash thatgirlthepodcast.